Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have a panel discussion and it is going to be all about the nine hallmarks of aging. Yes, there are nine hallmarks of aging and really they were identified over a decade ago by scientists and I brought a couple of experts in this area. One is Leslie Kenny, she is the founder of Primadine Spermidine. And I also brought Zora Benamu. She is the creator of Hack My Age, and she's a gerontologist. And I thought this will be a really interesting discussion. So I hope you love it as much as I loved recording it. And I'm going to ask that you rate, review, and share this episode with anyone who really just wants to learn how to age better. This past weekend, I was in Boston, and I actually love the text that my friend Zora from Hack My Age sent me. I was really nervous because it's like, oh my God, it's been over 20 years since I traveled alone for work. And here I was going to a conference where I literally had never met in person one person attending, speaking, or anything to do with this conference. I was like, oh my God, what am I putting myself into? I have no idea how I'm going to feel about this. And my friend Zora texted me and she said, you're seeking discomfort and that's building resilience and strength. I was like, wow, but I guess that's true. And to me, this is a very powerful thing to do at any age. Do you have that parent or grandparent who just stopped driving places, right? Why? because they didn't do it as much. And then what happens, it's like you lose that confidence in doing things that you don't do regularly anymore as we age. So I put myself in a super uncomfortable situation, not knowing anybody personally. And guess what? It was the most incredibly energizing and powerful weekend. I loved it. Biohacking Congress has another conference coming in the fall. I think it's October 23rd. It'll be in Miami. And then another one again in February in Austin, Texas. And really, it's a place to go and learn and be with like-minded individuals who really just want to optimize their wellness. So many stories there. So many incredible speakers and exhibitors. It's really an incredible experience. 
I also spoke at a virtual conference, which actually did a replay this past weekend. And you can go back and purchase the videos because this conference is all virtual and it has so many amazing speakers and master classes and panel discussions. Guess what? It's all relating to women's biohacking. And my friend Zora, her presentation this past weekend in Boston, it was great because she actually laid out a few of the studies that relate to optimizing wellness for men and how it may not be great for women, especially women at midlife. Just so much learning, you guys. And you know, I'm a huge believer in taking all that in and optimizing your own best health. So you can follow me anywhere on Instagram. I'm very active at Sandy K Nutrition. I'm also on TikTok, Sandy K Nutrition. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Twitter. I'm, you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And definitely check out Zora Benamu's podcast. Her podcast is called Hack My Age. She's got some great content there. And then you must check out Oxford Healthspan, Primadine, Spermadine. It is something that I have actually been taking pretty religiously for a year and a half now. Most of you who have been following me for a while know exactly what Spermadine is. But if you don't, go to my episode number 47, and I have a discount for you. Sandy K15 in all caps for 15% off of Primadine Spermidine. One last announcement. This summer, I'm going to actually do something I haven't tried yet, and I am going to replay some of my most amazing episodes. Now, if you're not in this group... Please do not fret. I had to narrow it down to eight of my top, eight or nine of my top episodes. What I have found is that sometimes when you have this many episodes, they get lost in the shuffle and they really don't get the attention they deserve. I'm probably going to start off with mental health of our youth. I think it's a very timely discussion and I hope you enjoy these and I hope you enjoy the replay. I am going to re-record all new preambles. Please, please, please do share these. Also, now is the time to get in touch with me. If you want to sponsor my podcast, I have to put that out there. I have some great sponsors this year. If you'd like to sponsor my podcast and you align with my message, now's the time to have that discussion. So send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. If you want to do a quick consult with me, I am doing quick consults. Again, send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. Or you can DM me on Instagram at Sandy K Nutrition. And now let's cut on through to this panel discussion on the nine hallmarks of aging with Leslie Kenny and Zora Benamu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. 
Today is a podcast recording that I actually promised a lot of my listeners that we would talk about the nine hallmarks of aging. And I invited a couple of my biohacking besties. Leslie Kenny is the CEO and founder of Oxford Healthspan, and they are the makers of Primidine Spermidine. And then I also invited Zora Benamu. She is hack my age, and she is an international speaker on aging and longevity. She's a gerontologist, and she's also a fellow podcaster. And we wanted to talk about this to break it down because it's almost like it's this mystery. Like, why? what are these nine hallmarks of aging? We want to try and make it simple for you to understand what they are and then add in some supplements, some activities that you can do to try to combat these nine hallmarks of aging. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks, Thanks for, for inviting us. us. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that you came because I don't think I can do it myself. As I always say, I'm a little bit science. I'm a little bit woo. And I like to have a lot of science when it comes to these kinds of conversations. So maybe we should start with breaking them down. What's What are these mystery nine hallmarks of aging? Maybe you can start off, Leslie. Well, they come, first of all, from a very famous paper um, by Lopez Otin in 2013. So there is the paper simply called The Hallmarks of Aging, and that was published in Cell. And this chart or this, uh, this diagram I'm showing here, which has the nine hallmarks, is probably one of the most cited diagrams used. I was at an anti-aging conference a couple of weeks ago here in Oxford, and every single presentation had this chart bar the last one. So uh, the pathways down which we age were, uh, were meant to be levers that we could push on as a way to slow the rate at which we age. And uh, a lot of them are things that we're familiar with, like mitochondrial dysfunction, stem cell dysfunction, um, things like, uh, uh, you know, cell senescence, um, telomere, uh, shortening, things like that. But there'll also be things that we might be less familiar with, such as impaired proteostasis. So that is where proteins within the cell need to be folded perfectly. It's kind of like having your own con- your own uh, Marie Kondo in there folding shirts. You know, you want to have a nice dresser with everything folded perfectly in the cell. And uh, as we get older, uh, that doesn't happen. It basically becomes a gigantic mess. So things like that, or also deregulated nutrient sensing, altered intercellular communication, um, and then a few other things like epigenetic changes and uh, DNA protection that, uh, again, we have some familiarity with, but those would be the, the hallmarks. Okay. And Zora, do you have anything to add to this? Because I know that they kind of cross over too, right? And and this is where it gets a little confusing, not necessarily confusing, but some of the activities that can help with one can also help with another and another. So really, it's for me, I always say it's all about balanced living, right? And doing a little bit of everything will help. What do you think, Zora? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it depends what you define as a little bit of everything, but they do cross Healthy. over because the things, to me, it seems as though the when you are taking a protocol to to uh, help, you know, with your telomere attrition and you want to lengthen your telomeres, so you may take some kind of protocol to do that, well, it will probably affect your mitochondrial function as well. You know, they, they will, I see, I see them uh, affecting one and, and another. So in fact, you know, it's, it, you know, the, we have these categories, these these hallmarks, these nine hallmarks, and and who's to say there's not going to be any more that are coming on? We covered this very briefly in our um, physiology of aging class in, in in my masters of gerontology, but it wasn't like the you know the the, the most important thing that we covered because there's there's always many, many reasons why, you know, we are aging, you know, and, and everybody has their own position. But but I, I like this because it's very categorized. And it, to me, it seems as though when we are going to combat a disease, instead of saying, you know, let's, let's um, you know, figure out how to cure this person from diabetes, right, or reverse their diabetes, they may go, oh, well, let's, you know, um, let's make sure that they're, um, you know, let's, let's talk about their loss of proteostasis, you know, their, their protein folding or something. Let's, let's fix that instead, or let's fix their mitochondrial function. And then that may influence the, their, their, the, their diabetes. So that's the way I kind of look at it. It's not the one all be end all, you know, thing. It's just something I think that helps us understand aging a little bit better and how, you know, doctors may in the future, uh, look at uh, how to how to cure diseases. Mm-hmm. Because you're uh, this is always going back to root cause, right? Like what's mm-hmm. going on in that pathway that may have led to that cancer, right? Exactly. So exactly. that's why I, you know, I always uh, as a practitioner, I always look at the root cause. What's going on? What's happening? What are the symptoms? What what are the symptoms of what's going on with that person? And let's try and trace it back. So that's how I see these hallmarks. It's like tracing it back, right? Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, the thing is I always question uh, is how do we measure these things, mm-hmm. right? How do we, and is it even worth it? You know, we, when we, we all, you know, in, in the longevity and world, we always want to have long, strong telomeres, right? These are the caps and the ends of your chromosomes. And there's an association with short telomeres and, and a shorter lifespan or more illness. And so we, we then, you know, we jump on the bandwagon, like how, how are we going to keep, how are we going to lengthen them or how do we protect them? And, and so, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the, you know, the, the question that you may want to go, well, how, how do we measure, what do we, how do we know our telomeres are short, right? Can we measure that? And, and right now there is no, at least as far as I understand, there is no great test or to measure telomeres. And, and there are many people who say, you know, maybe it's just not worth it. There's other things that we maybe should look at. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, how do we test these nine hallmarks of aging and where we're at? I really want to see a home kit that we can do or, or go to the doctor and just say, let's measure all of these nine hallmarks of aging. Let's figure out which ones we need to fix and then and go from there. What about there biological? There's no test that really does that, yeah. unfortunately. But there are tests that do stem. They do um, measure your telomere length. And right. You've probably true diagnostics yeah. will do that. Um, there are other companies that will do that too, as well as other biomarkers of aging. Did, but what about? I've heard that the telom the the it's there's a there is controversy in terms of there's controversy. how accurate that totally. is. Totally. Yeah. Should we yeah. really be looking at it? 
Yeah, there, there is controversy over that. And then obviously a lot of people um, are looking at DNA methylation um, mm-hmm. and the Horvath clock, right? So you can do, you can look at, with the true diagnostics test, you can look at DNA methylation as well, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then glycation is a whole nother area. Both of you, I think, you know, glycanage and there are, as you say, there are so many tests on offer. What is the right biomarker uh, to measure where we are and at what rate are we aging? Uh, I think, again, true diagnostics gives you a rate of aging and you yes. just want to be below one, right? Yes. Yeah. I had that one done in January. And I think, didn't, did you do that one yet, Zora? No, you did glycanage, didn't you? I did glycanage, but oh, you... I have literally the, the true diagnostic right here in front of me. Yes. And I need to do that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah the I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. The, the true diagnostic test is really thorough. And I've done other ones um, up there. My DNH, I've also done that one. and But I did find the true diagnostic to be really thorough. And it really kind of looks at different things. It looks at your immune health. It looks at your telomere length. So immune health-wise, I was at 32 years of age for my immune system and then my telomere length I was 38 and my rate of aging was under one but my um my overall biological age was 51.7 and I'm 52 so it's interesting and then and then we can get into this because when I had my recording with Ryan Smith the founder of True Diagnostic I said well you know, I'm so great in all these areas, but my overall biological age isn't that much younger. He said, what can I do? And you know what he said? He said, eat less. (laughs) And I'm like, you're talking to a Croatian girl who loves to cook, who, you know, like, I love my food. I'm a foodie, but maybe we can talk about that. Fasting. Um, you know, fasting is one of those things. Um, and, and it's such a broad term, honestly, you know, I think we need to be a little bit more, uh, uh, define what that is. And I fasting, uh, I am a fan. I mean, I, I studied with Dr. Longo. He was one of my teachers, Dr. Walter Longo, and he's all about the fasting mimicking diet. And Which I did recently. What? I just did that very recently. Came yeah. off of it a week so, and a half ago. You know, <laughs> We got our fill of of the the studies uh, that that show how how beneficial this is. Yes, um, and and it's and it's hitting a lot of these these hallmarks of aging, and it's free and it's great, and you know, but it's hard to follow for a lot of people. And then, you know, how much does it actually does it actually work? But I think in general, you know, in the Western world, we're kind of eating too much, anyways, and we're eating too many things that are not um, really serving us and optimizing these these hallmarks of aging. So I think we really need to be um, think about what is fasting, define fasting for you, measure it if you can somehow. And also, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, have to tell people to take to look at it on an individual basis as well, because I, I used to fast. Uh, well, I'm just a faster. I just eat when I'm hungry and don't eat when I'm hungry. And it just happens to fall into some sort of intermittent fasting. I, I've done a course with Dr. Stacey Sims on menopause and athletic women. And, um, and that's, 
that really kind of shined a light on me that I, I probably shouldn't be fasting as as much as I do because I'm very athletic and I, you know, through through what she's she's presented to us, it's actually maybe not such a good thing for me to be pushing it so hard. Uh, so I'm trying to lower my like fast a little bit less, but again, you know, that's just me and that's just a, um, you know, personal thing. So I really want people to define what fasting is and then be able to measure it and see if it is a right thing for them. Because just because we heard it in a study and just because it does, you know, all these amazing things, it may or may not be good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. There's so much bioindividuality and there are obviously disease states that will impact that, which uh, if you're hypothyroid, this can actually uh, be negative for you because I'm I'm a hypothyroid patient. And uh, if I fast, if I were to do 24, well, maybe more like 48 hour fast, my body thinks, aha, you're going into a famine state. There's no food anywhere. So to protect you, I am going to slow down your metabolism and I am going to not convert as much T4, the raw thyroid material, into T3, the bioactive one that all the cells in the body need. And that down-regulation of metabolism is something that women going into menopause and on the other side of menopause we face. So it's, uh, you know, hypothyroidism is one thing that can affect it. Um, Where you are in your cycle can probably affect it. Um, If you are postmenopausal or not uh, will affect it. And if we want to reproduce, the body is going to see fasting as a really bad time to bring a baby onto the planet. Mm-hmm. And I know there have been a few people who have talked about fasting while you're pregnant. And I have just thought, oh. that's, not, that's not what you should be doing. The baby needs a lot of resources, right? Your body needs resources to create human life. It also needs more spermidine content to allow the baby to grow. And you're going to need to increase that by getting it from primarily plant material. So um, I had an interesting conversation with Professor Jun Satoshima at Rutgers University Medical School uh, about a month ago when he spoke together with Professor Robin Chowdhury of Oxford on autophagy cell renewal and recycling, and heart disease. They're both cardiologists. And they both were saying, fasting, fasting, fasting. And then we turned the microphone and the audio, I sorry, the the camera off. And I said, hey, but wait a second. What about women and fasting? And he was like, oh, totally different. That's different. I was Mm. like, but but we just talked about how great fasting is really good for men. And I'm thinking, but but what about the rest of us, right? Yeah. Which ones um, of those hallmarks does fasting help with? Would you say all of them? Oh, I'm sure it does affect probably all of them, them, right? Yeah, all of them. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I. You know, Dr. Longo didn't uh, actually say this, but uh, from what we've learned, like his his whole thing about fasting is an all systems approach. You know, when you're trying to uh, help, you know, cure Alzheimer's disease, you may be just trying to figure out how to 
get rid of beta amyloid plaque, you know, or you take a drug that's going to try to target one little specific area of a disease. And so his approach was, wait a second, you know, through fasting, it's an all systems approach. You, you fix everything at the same time. And so, so that, you know, to me is a nod towards the, the hallmarks of aging. And I mean, when I look at all the list of this, you know, the genomic instability and the genetic alterations, mitochondrial dysfunction, like cellular senescence. I mean, this is things, these are things we did talk about. So I, you know, I, I would believe uh, that, yeah, it would probably, I don't know if it's all nine hallmarks, but certainly a lot of them here, it seems to be, yeah, it will be affected in a positive way in, in one way or another, especially if you're combating a, a disease. So um, yeah, that's, I, I don't have the evidence for that, but. So guess. we know that fasting triggers autophagy. And autophagy certainly will um, will help with at least six of those hallmarks, and we know that because uh, you know, spermidine and uh, triggering autophagy and inhibiting these six hallmarks has been studied. Um, there are several hallmarks around nutrient sensing, uh, DNA repair, and cell senescence that we have not yet proven, but they are being studied. Mm-hmm. And working together with Dennis Noble at Oxford, he surmises that most likely this will impact these other hallmarks as well. We just don't have the evidence for it, even though research grants have been made to investigate these very things. So spermidine, talk to us a little bit about spermidine then more in detail, because obviously we've recorded before. I've been taking spermidine for at least a year and a half, pretty religiously. All like, of us are on yeah, it. I, and, and I've got my husband on it and I've got a few of my girlfriends on it and we all know the benefits, but we may not necessarily, well, sometimes we see it. I mean, I saw it in my eyelashes, right? Like I noticed six weeks after starting it, I'm like, wow, I haven't done any kind of, you know, serums or anything like that. My lashes look fabulous. And so talk about the autophagy side. Talk about the other hallmarks that spermidine touches on. So spermidine is a fasting mimetic. And uh, we had Professor Yoshimori um, from Osaka University who did all the mammalian research for the Nobel laureate, um, uh, Professor Azumi. We had him on as a guest for the Oxford Longevity Project. And he said, you know, rather than fasting, it would be easier to simply get people to incorporate more spermidine into their daily lives as a way to trigger this. And... Uh, Obviously, I agreed. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started a company around this. Yeah. Um, the hallmarks that they health inhibit that we have evidence for inhibition are stem cell dysfunction, mitochondrial dysfunction, impaired proteostasis, um, epigenetic changes, uh, shortened telomeres, and uh, impaired intercellular communication. And so these are the ones that we we have evidence for. Um, We know that, uh, you know, under, these are under the hood, so to speak, but we can see it uh, in 
areas of very fast cell turnover. So our hair, skin, and our nails. And uh, you need, for example, for your hair color to come back, you need stem cells in your hair follicle to function properly. So spermidine is one of those things that actually will help with epithelial stem cells in the hair follicle, and that will, uh, will improve your chances of reversing gray hair. It also helps with tyrosine production, which will also help with getting pigment back as well. So that's a, that is an example of where it hits one of those hallmarks, stem cell function or dysfunction, in a way that we can actually visually see. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want new hair to grow from a follicle as well, you need those epithelial stem cells in the hair follicle to be functioning properly too. Mm. I've also had some, you know, because I, I share this with not only my friends and family, but because I, and as an influencer, I, I share spermidine and it's the dean spermidine that I take. And I get, so much feedback. I, I am so shocked at more than any product I've ever, ever talked about. Uh, the feedback is unbelievable. And so I know it's not just me. That's why I'm so confident about spermidine and particularly primidine. And people tell me they have much better sleep, you know, so they can see that, you know, aside from the hair, skin and nails uh, and energy as well. So these are a couple of just the, the, the big feedback that I, that I get as well as some, some hair, gray hair reversal as well. And of course the head, skin, hair and nails. So yeah, there's a lot of, I think there, there are things that people are seeing and feeling with that. Um, some people are faster and some people are slower to, to do that, but that's just my experience as, as sharing this with, with, um, hundreds of people. <laughs> Yeah, and it, but it's not that great in the uh, in the uh, a regular standard American diet. To, it's not that easy to get it in mm-hmm. diet because if you look at the way that people eat, you know, if they're not eating whole real foods, you're not getting any spermidine, right? Because it's high in. Well, natto is one that I I know that you've had it, Zora. I watched one of your stories, <laughs> and I I'm like, too, and I was like really boogers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's for me, boogers, but but I do eat a lot of mushrooms, and it's quite high in mushrooms, correct? It is very high in mushrooms. It's very high in legumes. It uh, it will be found in the endosperm of any um, of any uh, of any grain or seed. And the reason why it's in the endosperm is because of the fact that if you have any seed, it needs spermidine to grow, to sprout. And that's why we take it from wheat germ, but you can get it from soy. You can get it from even rice. Um, And uh, those are are some of the places that you can find it. Um, Leslie, I heard, maybe you can correct, because I heard that spermidine is actually in some quantity, probably very, very low quantities in most foods, but you'll find it higher in, in those ones that you mentioned, not to, yes, not to forget sperm itself. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So it is, it is in every plant that you can see or imagine there will be spermidine there. Um, whether or not it has the entire polyamine recycling loop, which would be spermidine, spermine, and putrescine, that really depends. So for instance, chlorella has just putrescine and spermidine. 
Uh, wheat germ has all three. Rice has all three. Soy has all three as well. Um, but you will you will find it in in every living thing, including your grandparents, your children. So we should not say, "Oh, it's got that funny word in it." That's uh, that's icky. Actually, we're all making it. Oh, okay. But you know, I have to go back because this to what you said. It's high in sperm, but I want to clarify something, and I feel like it's okay for us to talk about this here. If a man has had a vasectomy. He retains it, right? Yeah, he retains it. Yeah, isn't that correct? <laughs> but shouldn't that mean that he should be this like really youthful guy who's keeping? Yeah, yeah. Actually, mm. yes. Mm. Um, I don't know about yes. that. Yes, if he if he is aroused and he is not losing that, technically, yes, he's keeping it. Technically, he's keeping it. So, so Sandy, uh, you know, maybe we need to do a study. Here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, this is this is not proven, people. We're just like it's it's just sur- it's just us girlfriends who are speculating wildly. We're speculating <laughs> because you know, Leslie, as a sexologist, right? You yeah. know all of these things, and I remember we had a discussion about seminal retention. Yeah, yes. this is yeah. the ancient scrolls of Chinese. Um, yeah. No wisdom, right? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. So there is a very ancient Taoist theory around this, uh, around seminal retention. And uh, observationally, the ancients always believed that men who were able to control uh, ejaculation lived longer, healthier, and appeared visually younger. And Mm -hmm. that you know, they believed at the time that it was because they were keeping what they thought was cerebrospinal fluid, but we now know is actually it's going to be ejaculate and that will be full of spermidine. So, um, yes, you know, men have this uh, amazing little spermidine factory inside of them, spermidine and spermine factory. It is a resource intensive process to manufacture that because you will gobble up all of your uh, arginine and ornithine in order to make it. And we do need those things um, for nitric oxide production and good heart health. But if a man is able to retain it, then there are theoretically benefits because that those resources are not squandered but are absorbed back into the body. Okay, so for the guys... No, I think I have more women listening, but if if they, I'm sure they they're going to they're going to tell, their <laughs> tell their guys. So if they retain it, it's going to help them stay younger. Yeah, so they should just tell their husbands to um, not yet, honey, not yet, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is absolutely interesting for sure. If not, they can take spermidine, right? Yeah, yeah. there's that. That's right. Exactly. Have have some natto. Have some have some uh, primidine and uh, yeah, replenish. Yeah, replenish. <laughs> yeah, really replenish. Right? Plant have lots of plant material. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I do want to get into NAD because that's another one that a lot of people are taking, especially in the biohacking world. And it does actually touch on a few of these um, hallmarks of aging as well. But it doesn't always work for everyone. And, 
you know, I have actually taken precursors well before I was taking, I personally choose Nushido Time Plus. I've been taking that for over a year. And I'm I taking tr- that too. You are too. And we are no kidding. Right. This is why we're, we're all like, you know, 35 year olds instead of over fifties. Right. <laughs> no, but let's talk a little bit about NAD because I think the mitochondria is an important part of the discussion because these are the powerhouses within the cells. And as we get older, we start to slow down. These are some of the signs and symptoms. I always look at symptoms and, you know, okay, maybe I won't get into too much personal stuff, but I have noticed with some individuals in my life that they were starting to slow down, just being tired all the time, not having the energy all the time. So in, in, in my world, that's a sign that there's something going on with your mitochondria. There's something slowing things down. What do you ladies think? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we, we had um, actually a, a podcast with Nicola Conlon, who's uh, producing that Nuchito, and she's an expert in NAD, and she cleared so much confusion for me, me too. in terms of what do we take in an N and R, what do we do, how do we, do we take this in a you know, shoot it up our arms or the patches, there's patches. There's, yeah. And yeah. so there's so much we can do, but in fact, you know, she did really well explaining, you know, NAD, we can't live without NAD. It would die if we didn't have it for, you know, more than a few seconds. So, but we lose, a th- and I don't quote me on this I think It was something like 50% of it by the time we're 50 or something like that. So we lose a lot as we age and then we can see it and feel it well we feel it is low energy and so that's why you know she's come up with a, an, a product that actually fix our nad factory and that's what i love about this is that it's not just putting in the raw materials of nmn or nr or whatever which don't seem to be actually very effective no. but uh we're we're taking ingredients that are very natural that are helping us repair our own factories so that we can produce our own NAD. And that really appeals to me. And, uh, and it's just an, that's another, another product I've shared and, and I get really great feedback as well. So I know it's not just me. I don't think as, as I understand, you know, if you're young, uh, and, or you have plenty of energy, you maybe don't need it. Yes. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, there's, there's things that we can take when we're young and other things. I think we wait until we're probably over the age of 40, 50. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And that would be the same with spermiting too, right? Mm. The, you know, when we're young, when we are infants, that's when we have our highest spermiting levels. And when we also have very, very high NAD levels, um, it is just as we get older, these levels taper off in the same way as our hormone levels go, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a very interesting conversation with, uh, uh, She's. I was saying to Zora earlier, she's an OB. And, you know, I, I said, well, why does all this happen? Why does this happen? She's like, do you realize that century, the century before us, they didn't live past 50, like the average age, the lifespan, and we are living longer, but we are living sicker right? So you've got these people who are living 
really, really long lives, but they're not living healthy. And I think you can throw into so many other things. You can throw into diet, lifestyle, you know, eating foods for convenience out of a box. Like there's so many other factors. So, you know, this might be just why. Why, why do we need these things? Why do we need spermidine? Why do we need NAD? Why, you know, because I hear that all the time as a nutritionist. Well, if I'm eating well, why do I need to take supplements? Right? Well, are they really eating well? That's a, that's another question. Right. Um, are they eating organic? Because we know our soils are depleted. We know that soils also carry toxins, which the liver will have to detoxify. Uh, we know that many of us have been subjected to broad-spectrum antibiotics, which kill off a lot of good microbiota, which at least in the case of spermidine, uh, our gut biome manufactures quite a lot of it when we're young and we are healthy and we feed it fiber. We need prebiotics in order to get certain strains of um, bacteria to manufacture everything from neurotransmitters to polyamines. And the modern diet, as Zora um, and you both know very well, simply is depleted of fiber, prebiotics, uh, and many, many nutrients. So these are, you know, these are things that, that just need to be topped up as we live longer. And we're unable to manufacture this if we're not going to get as much from our diet, we do need to supplement. But I always say test, right? As a health coach, I've always said, don't assume you are low in magnesium. We know 70% of the American population is low in magnesium, but that doesn't mean that you're one of them. So always test before you, you know, invest in a lot of a lot of these supplements and uh, make sure these are the things that you need to top up and you don't need to be on them forever, right? Uh, you just need to top up and then you can take breaks. I have a very interesting experiment I did. I don't have the bottle with me now, but have you heard of Lugol's? It's iodine. Oh, yes, yes, yep. yes, yes. And my uh, anti-aging doctor, she said, you just take four drops, you put it on your skin yep. somewhere. It's like, a, it looks, you know, it stains it. Yeah. And then if it disappears uh, in just a few hours, uh, then you are deficient in iodine. You don't have to yes. go to a doctor. You don't have to, it's just amazing. So we, you know, we, yeah. we can, there's so many ways to test some of these things. It's not just a blood test with your doctor. It's going to cause you a fortune, but totally. um, I, just, I just discovered that that was the coolest thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Magnesium, I think, is similar. If you get the runs right away, then you don't need it. That's mm. what I've heard, and vitamin yeah. C as well. Yeah, totally. Vitamin C, and then there's so many other tests that we can do at home. And and I do want to just point out, like, we are not giving medical advice here or testing advice here because we're not doctors. But what we are doing is we're educating you to take your health into your own hands. And that's what I am so passionate about because, you know, I've seen people get on proton pump inhibitors, which are just going to simply deplete many of the nutrients that you need stomach acid for. And they don't even get tested for it. So they say, oh, I've got heartburn. They go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, let's just take away all your acid. You won't feel the heartburn then right? It happens all the time. Whereas when you, uh, when you have, you know, autonomy over your own health, you can go and take a hydrochloric acid test, which I tell people to do at home, right? I actually just posted on that because I'm so passionate on it. I'm like, you can find out very quickly if you have low or high stomach acid. Yeah. 
And these are the kinds of things that people need to talk about more, right? Yeah. So I think that, Zora, you have another recording. Yeah, with Nicola of New Cheeto. Yes. <laughs> I told her I was actually going to hop on to that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I know that you have to hop off, and I think Leslie and I are going to continue and, and tie things up. There are a couple of other supplements I did want to mention, and I am going to preface this by saying you're going to have to speak with your own healthcare provider on if it's right for you, because we're just talking about some of the studies that are out there, nothing necessarily proven. And like we always say, you have to see what's right for you. What may be right for me may not be right for you. So one of the supplements I did want to mention was resveratrol. And resveratrol is that active constituent that you get in red wine, right? But you certainly don't want to be guzzling red wine all the time to get a ton of resveratrol. So a lot of people take it and it can really slow aging because what it does is it regulates the mitochondrial function, right? And so... You know, and then they're also saying that there's, it touches on the cellular senescence and cancer cell proliferation. So here's where it gets a little muddy. And so I definitely want to say, I personally started taking it. I'm going to just preface this by saying my mom had uh, blood cancer. It's a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So in the lymph. And she was 52 years old. So I went back and I researched this. I carry some similar genetic SNPs to my mom. And interestingly enough, I started to have blocked lymph nodes in the armpit. So I started taking, and I was, I was pretty concerned about it because it was very swollen and it went on for about six months. And then I started taking resveratrol. And again, I am not saying it cured it. However, it all went away when I started taking it. And I'm talking about about 200 milligrams. Now. Okay, that's a small dose because it normally is. they say you need. At least 500, right? Well, I've heard at least a gram. And for some of the studies, even five. So that's interesting that you, you know, that that it's possible you had those results with, uh, with such a low dose. And I still take it to this day. This was probably about a year ago, mm-hmm. maybe something like that. And those swollen lymph nodes, they never came back. Amazing. Were you taking it with other anti-inflammatories like, uh, you know, for instance, uh, curcumin? No, I pulse curcumin on and off. So okay. Okay. I ha- I do not take curcumin regularly. And I actually just started bringing it back in, but that's because of hot flashes. So different, okay. different reasons. Okay. So no, I wasn't taking it at the same time. Because um, Sandy Kaufman, uh, who wrote the Kaufman Protocol, she was, you know, her theory is that if you take small amounts of variety of things that they potentiate each other that you don't need to take the minimum effective dose in order to get results so I suppose I know that you're a bit like me and you take other supplements too yes I suppose my question would be was the combination of supplements you were taking 
given that there's a small dose of resveratrol, was the combination somehow synergistic? And, uh, you know, you were getting results as a result of that. It's possible, Leslie, because think about it. Um, just over a year ago, I started taking spermidine. Uh, I started taking NAD. Yep. Right? And I started taking the resveratrol. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right? So, um, Dr. Mark Berhenna, who is a dentist in Silicon Valley, he was telling me that after he does um, after he does any bone work with his patients, that he tells his patients to take primidine, spermidine, and resveratrol, and that he can tell which patients, when they come back to him, he can tell which patients have actually done this um, just by looking at their x-rays, because those who have done the resveratrol and the primidine combination have more bone mass than those who said, I don't like taking capsules, I don't like supplements, I you know, don't want to spend the money. And it could be the combination of, you know, those two, as well as, you know, uh, as well as, say, the NAD that, that's helping. But I do know that those two together, uh, he at least has said that clinic, in clinical observation, he has noticed these work together well. Well, it would make sense because um, NAD affects the mitochondria, right? So, um, it all, and so does spermidine. So we've got this anyway. Now it's kind of funny because I don't, (laughs) it was so bad, like so uncomfortable that I don't want to stop. You know, when you, when something's working, I don't want to test and go off of it and then see what happens. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I want to risk that. So, I've done that before too. I yeah. know exactly how you feel. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting. And and I have to ask how like what do you think about omegas? Because they talk about omegas a lot in that free <laughs> radical damage in reducing oxidative stress. What what are your thoughts on that? Um, for oxidative stress, yes. I mean, omega-3s are, are very important and try to get them from food in your diet. Oily fish, obviously great source. And uh, the smaller fish, anchovies, uh, mackerel, these would be really good choices because the uh, toxic load is going to be less than the larger fish. Uh, I like them and I use them as part of my own autoimmune recovery program. Uh, I took a lot of omega-3s oh, yeah? as part of that just to calm down my overreactive uh, immune system okay. and to try and bring the tumor necrosis factor alpha and cytokine levels down. It wasn't the only thing I did. As with uh, any protocol, there's never going to be a single magic bullet. Yeah, And that's the way I feel with omega-3s. I did a lot of other things too, um, but omega-3s have been shown to be very helpful in individuals with any kind of brain inflammation, um, with mental health issues, yes, uh, with learning issues, uh, any kind of neurological central nervous system issue seems to be positively impacted. So then, you know, I think the benefits are, are clear. Uh, it's then a question of finding a good, clean source. Uh, and uh, in terms of a reactive oxygen species scavenger, 
my favorite is still glutathione. I love glutathione. Um, but obviously omegas are, are part of the, are part of the picture and hopefully we'll be getting glutathione and omega-3s and spermidine in a balanced diet, right? Absolutely. And okay. So I don't know if there's any other supplements, like what do you think? Cause there's a lot of studies talking about vitamin D now. Oh, vitamin D is right? great. Yeah. For reducing... And melatonin. I love those two. Me too. I think they're very, very... People don't think of melatonin as anything other than a sleep hormone. But yeah. in fact, that's another great reactive oxygen species scavenger. And what was I reading? I was reading a study the other day. And I'm just trying to remember. Was it to do with hearing? Um and they were suggesting melatonin, and I just thought, this is this is incredible. What doesn't melatonin do? I know, I know. <laughs> I find it amazing because I actually recorded a podcast with Phil Mikens about a year ago oh, yeah. on melatonin. That's one of his favorites. He loves talking uh, about melatonin as an aging or, you know, I, I hate yeah. the term anti-aging. They got to change that because we're going to age no matter what. Healthy aging. Healthy yeah, aging. Healthy, healthy aging, aging supplement. Yes. Yeah. So how yeah, much do you take, though, Leslie? Do you take a lot or do you microdose? What do you do with melatonin? Oh, I've done, I've done microdosing, but, oh, I know what it was. It was melatonin and macular degeneration. Oh. So I was, I was actually, uh, when I was fundraising for startups around the U.K., I, I happened to see a company that could do early diagnosis of macular degeneration. And very unfortunately, they said, oh, well, you have it in one eye. And so ever since... I've been looking for things to help target macular degeneration. Melatonin does do that. Oh, So wow. there are some things that are very good for the eyes, like astaxanthin, lutein, um, but melatonin is very good for that too. So I was microdosing. I'm not taking a huge amount because I don't like the melatonin hangover you can get if you take too much. Yeah. Um, you know, that is really the body's signal that, whoa, you don't need more. Yeah. You sort of feel hungover in the morning after you take it. I take about, now I've upped it to 1.5 milligrams, which is not a lot. But I used to microdose, and I started at 0.35 micrograms and then went to 0.75 yeah. micrograms. And that helped with sleep a lot. Uh, along with progesterone, spermidine, and magnesium. And then when I saw the macular degeneration study, I was like, okay, I have to just, I've got to double this <laughs> because I, you know, I have this issue. Yeah. So uh, Thierry Hertog, Dr. Thierry Hertog in Belgium, who Phil Mikens knows, he is a another huge fan of melatonin yes. as well for healthy aging purposes. I'm I'm a huge fan. I've been taking melatonin for I don't even know how how many years, and I I've talked about this. I'm not sure if you were on this call. It was when we were doing clubhouses over a year ago, okay. yeah. about a year ago, really regularly. But I did yeah. talk about this, and my kids were both horrible sleepers, and we are talking around the ages. And again, I'm going to say I'm not telling you guys who are listening to go and dose your kids with melatonin talk to your doctor about it but I chose to do so because my son at around the age of eight or ten he stopped mm. growing 
And he would wander the hallways upstairs, and he could not turn off those wheels. You know, he was he's, he's a thinker, 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 thinker. And he wasn't able to shut down. But once he was asleep, he was okay, right? But he wasn't yeah. able to shut down. So I started microdosing him for, it was Fantastic. 0.25 milligrams yeah that's it that's a nice low number and yeah. it was low and guess what within a year that kid started to flourish he started to grow he wasn't exhausted all the time and when mm. I spoke with my family doctor about it this is quite a few years ago he's now going to be 21 and yeah. as you can yeah. see he went through puberty he did everything normally nothing affected anything he's been do- he was doing this he doesn't take it anymore he doesn't need it anymore you know how these university yeah. students are, all they do is sleep, right? <laughs> sleep, study, party, right? And eat bad yeah. food. But anyway, with him, I was like, wow. It, it just amazed me how in one year, everything's, you know, it's that whole circadian rhythm. He was yeah. off. And, you know, we talk about that all the time. When your circadian rhythm is off, your hormones are off. You're not growing. Yeah. Like if you're only eight years old or 10, I can't remember how old he was. He was around that. And so yeah. my daughter around that age, same thing. She couldn't get to sleep. And guess what? She's now 17. And she's doing great and everything's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but yeah. So it was a really good outcome. I envy you because we can't buy melatonin over the counter here in the United Kingdom. Oh. And as a matter of fact, it can't even be prescribed by your general practitioner wow. here. It has to be prescribed by a sleep specialist. And that requires your GP to refer you to the sleep specialist. They then have to examine you. And then you, if you're lucky, you will get a prescription. But it is incredibly hard to get here. I know you can't get it in New Zealand either, another Commonwealth country, which is probably led by you know best practice here in the UK. But Britain has some of the worst sleepers in the world. I think actually Britain has Britain and Saudi Arabia, I think, have the worst sleep um, numbers in the world. Wow. And we're not allowed melatonin here. And it could all oh so easily be fixed if they would just allow it back on the market. That's you know, you crazy. You can buy it like candy at any airport in the United States. Yes. But there's no way you could get it here. Canada, too. And so, you know, I find that really, it, it, it's fascinating to me that you can't get it there because it is so many people have just that. I know that I understand and I'm not a physician, but I know that there's many reasons why people don't sleep and mm. melatonin cannot resolve all these sleep issues of the world. However, if you're one of these people that just kind of can't shut down. Oh, and it and it doesn't make you pass out. It doesn't like if you take that just that tiny amount, you fall asleep naturally and you don't have that sleep hangover that you were talking about if you take a small mm. amount. And you know, speaking of longevity and the hallmarks of aging, if you're not yeah. sleeping, oh, it's a disaster. It's yeah. a disaster. Then you can be sure your mitochondria and your stem cells are not working properly. Right. And there's so many yeah. women who who are over 40 who are not sleeping. And and I happen to be one of these 
women right now, I'm literally going through menopause. I think I'm on day 73 of my cycle. And wow. it's, it's about time. I'm 52 years old. But sleep is my one issue. Because I'm still cycling my progesterone, uh. right? Because there's this magic one year, um, you know, wait one year before, you know, yeah. without a period. And I spoke with an OB yesterday and she's like, yeah. no, no, yeah, that's, that is just something that the medical community yeah. put out there as, okay, let's just use this as a, as a, a target for um, women who want to go on bioidentical hormones or hormone right, therapy. Right. It's very fascinating. There are, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, there are precursors, uh, which Cherry Hertog likes, like pregnenolone and DHEA. Uh, you could talk to Sandy Kaufman, Dr. Sandy Kaufman, about reversing uh, going into menopause if you're at the early stages because she has a protocol to reverse that. Ooh, I'm going to see her in uh, Boston in a few weeks, so I'm definitely yeah. going to talk to her about that. You should you should ask her about that protocol. I saw her in Miami last week, and uh, we were talking about this in relation to a friend of mine. And uh, she said, you know, she's got a protocol, go on it for six months and see if you can reverse this. I think it's so funny as we go into menopause, we're trying to, some of us try to find ways to hang on to our reproductive powers and, uh, and keep that monthly bleed just so that we keep the hormones, right? Yeah. Um, but of course, it's not like this when you're 14 and you get your cycle. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, yeah. it's it's... But, you know, the, the facts of the matter are, is that I I need, you know, I was a, uh, do you have a bio strap as well, Leslie? Do you? Yes, that? I've got yeah. one here. So <laughs> I, I've been using the bio strap for, I don't know, a year and a half, something like that. And I'm always like a 90 sleep score girl. Ooh, nice oh, yeah. score. Like, but, but since March, I've been more like 60. So, yeah. So it's a dramatic drop. Dramatic, dramatic. So, of course, being the the type of person I am, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, you know, at the at the beginning stages. So I'm going to I'm going to do some and I do believe that you need to test. I'm going to do a Dutch test. Do you have the Dutch test out there? You do. Yes, there are some practitioners who do the Dutch test. There are others who prefer the 24 hour urine collection. But yes, they're available here in Britain. Yeah, not from the NHS. I'll just uh, say only from only from private doctors. But I think it's important to know when we're talking about these hallmarks of aging. If Mm -hmm. some of the very basics are off, yeah, it is going to affect you, and it's going to unfortunately you're going to age a little quicker. So right now, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is in March. It's been a couple months now. I got to get a handle on this. If you let things go too long and you let these symptoms go too long, that's going to affect how you're going to age. So that's something that's a personal story. It's something that I'm going through right now because even though I'm a nutritionist and I'm eating right, I'm taking all the supplements, I'm I'm still going to go through menopause like everybody else. And there might be... Yeah, well, and I'm I'm through it and I have to say that um, because I'm... I'm five years older than you. Yeah. And I have to say that progesterone was life-changing 
Yeah. It just meant so much better sleep. And I will also say that the chili pad, um, which they now call the Uller. Yes, I that saw that. was a big help as well with uh, hot flashes. Okay, yeah. And when I was, when I was, I was studying to become a bulletproof coach. And so I was on the bulletproof diet at that time. And I was doing a lot of fasting and all of a sudden I got terrible hot flashes. And I think what I did was I actually accelerated the pace at which I went into menopause by, um, frankly, by, by fasting too hard for my body at the time. Wow. You know what though? I do believe that can happen. So I, uh, you know, we were talking about fasting and is it right for you? Is I did the fasting mimicking diet and here's what's interesting during that time, which was just, I think I did it not last week, the week before Uh I was sleeping great. And interesting. And my hot flashes were not really bad and they're still not Uh too bad. I get maybe one a night. But, you know, we were talking about the synergistic things. Yeah. I've also been doing, I've been doing um, uh, acupuncture every mm-hmm. week. And it's specific, a specific acupuncture protocol for menopause, for sleep, for hot flashes. Uh, I also do, I'm wearing my little disc here. It's uh, Newcom. I don't know if you know oh, much about Newcom her. is wonderful. Yes. I've been yeah, and it's I, I'm I am gonna write about how Newcom is helping me get through menopause. Because Oh, that's great. <laughs> and and it's my and I can say it because it's my personal story, right? I'm yeah. not yeah. my claim is my my own claim. And yeah. I think it's what it's done is it's made me functional. I'm not exhausted during the day. Yeah. I take that half hour Newcom session whenever mm-hmm. I can get it in. And then I can kind of play out the rest of my day not feeling exhausted or crabby or anything like that. So I think as women and men who are aging, we have to figure out what's working for us. Yeah, yeah. And get that get that sleep piece in for sure. Otherwise, you know, your stem cells won't be able to, uh, to rejuvenate. <clears throat> you uh, will have... Uh, dysfunctional mitochondria, you will have impaired proteostasis, all of those hallmarks. uh, They just have less of a chance of, I mean, the hallmarks, you have less of a chance of inhibiting them. Yes. If the basics aren't there. And I do want to say, because, um, you know, you and I talk offline and I decided to take a little extra spermidine. So what, what has happened was, for the most part, and a lot of it's dependent on if I'm cycling on or not on the progesterone, right? Because uh-huh. like you were saying, progesterone really, really helps with yeah. sleep. So when yeah. I'm, I have a tough time usually during those two weeks, but what I've been managing is my deep and REM sleep have been okay, right? So even yeah. though it's like, it's like I'm dealing with this shortened sleep. Like this morning, oh my God, Leslie, I woke up at 4.45 this morning. I'm like, what, what am I doing? That is a sleep fail, (laughs) Sandy. What am I doing? But then if I look, I look at my deep and REM on my bio strap. I'm like, okay, the reason I'm not exhausted, I'm doing multiple things. I am taking extra spermidine so that that's helping that 
deep and REM sleep number stay okay. Like if I hit 45%, I feel okay that day. I don't feel exhausted. Yeah. I I wish there were more studies on sleep and spermidine. Uh, Certainly on my biostrap and uh, the group that that I'm in that all have biostraps, those of us who are taking, you know, at least the primidine, um, spermidine, even if we get shortened sleep, and I've just come back to the UK from Florida, uh, the deep sleep is still there. Yes. And I can have absolutely terrible HRV, absolutely yes. terrible exercise, you know, steps because I've been stuck on a plane. But my deep sleep and my REM sleep will still be fantastic, which yeah. um, which is a, an anomaly to, I would say, it's a, not expected at all. So um, more studies need to need to come through that, and then more studies showing the link between sleep and the, the hallmarks. It's it is obvious that uh, there must be a connection. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to figure that out, but. It would be very interesting to see exactly what the quantifiable impact is of good sleep on those. And I think there's one last thing we do need to talk about before we wrap things up is stress. 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 Stress may be as bad as smoking, you know. um, Yes. It's it's really it's really terrible. Um, here at Oxford, you know, we have, um, we have Rhodes scholars from all over the world and they are, they are at the top of their game, but I often think these individuals who are at the top of their game pile the greatest amount of stress on themselves and stress is aging. You know, we're talking chronic inflammation, lots of reactive oxygen species everywhere yeah um early gray hair um and you can reverse it but you need to take away the kryptonite which is this the stress right and and the triggers for that so yeah stress is stress is terrible uh you know you have any kind of uh inflammation ROS, you're going to definitely impact the uh, the hallmarks. Yeah, one of my so right now, obviously, I'm. I think that when your body, as women, when we're going through transitions, it's going to naturally cause stress in the body, mm-hmm. and then you know you throw on top that I'm not sleeping like I used to, right? Yeah. So yeah. you throw all these things together. And then, and then we can even get into the whole discussion on, you know, if you're not sleeping well, then you tend to not eat as well either, oh, as well, right. I you should say. You more sugar, right? You, yeah, you stay away. because yeah, that ghrelin, yep, the ghrelin goes up yep. and the leptin goes down. And yep. then you, so yep. it's like this whole snowball effect. So yep. I always say, you know, we need to bubble wrap ourselves. And there's, yes. there's no shame in that. And I feel yeah. like as women, often we're, we're kind of portrayed in such a way that, you know, men always say, well, we're, we have to take all the brunt. I'm like, well, so do women. You know, if, you're, yeah. if you have a career, if you have children, if you have a spouse, whatever it is, there's a lot on our plates. And bubble wrapping myself is something that I'm doing. I take an adrenal support, which... As Me I know, too. yeah, 
because, and I've upped that, I've upped it. So I'm taking a little more than I normally do. Interesting. And thyroid, have you, have you increased, have you needed to increase that? Twice now. I've increased my thyroid medication twice. And so what's happening, and I know you know a ton about this, even though I don't have a thyroid, my medication will still work on receptors in my body. Yes, of course. course. So I have found since I've been going through this transition, it's like I'm in that space that they consider uh, subclinical hypothyroidism. Wow. So wow. I, Is it I, because you're not converting your own levothyroxine, correct? I, I'm on both. I'm on both so T4, T4 and T3. T3. So huh. okay. what's happened is, yes, there's that whole stress piece. There's also the estrogen piece that could also have a factor. There's a few different factors. And just recently, I, I did blood work about a month ago. And I was finally at a two point, um, I think it was 2.9. No. For your TSH. Two. It was closer to a two. Anyway, it wasn't so bad. That's better. Because I was all the way up to a five, right at almost five. And I was getting those. And this is why that whole range, Leslie, it drives me crazy. If I was a physician who had the power to change that range... I'm telling, I I almost want to sign, change the range, because I've been on the very, very low end. I have had undetectable TSH. I was having anxiety, heart palpitations. I couldn't sleep at night. It was horrible. But then I've been on the other end of the spectrum, which is still considered normal, and I'm at almost a five. And I have all the hypothyroid symptoms. So, like, what do you think? Menopause makes this complicated, doesn't it? Um, Well, so what happens as we get older is that all hormones, all all hormones that we naturally produce, whether it's estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, melatonin, thyroid hormone, these all go down. Our little factories inside just do not churn out as much as they did when we were young. And uh, women tend to notice this um, after they've delivered babies, you know, because you've got to provide thyroid hormone for you and for your baby. The baby's completely dependent on you in utero for thyroid hormone. Um, But then when we go through menopause, we also uh, have a drop in this. And this is why some doctors like Thierry Hertog, they recommend a, uh, you know, a small amount of thyroid hormone, even if you don't have thyroid issues, Um, they recommend it if you're getting older, Mm. just as a way to top up. um, Because undoubtedly, as we get older, we produce less. And obviously, you know, the clinician will ask the patient, do you feel okay on this? If you have heart palpitations, racing pulse, you your body temperature increases, then you know, you need to go down in dose with thyroid hormone. But um, yeah, we don't produce it the way that we did uh, that we did before, and that is a perfect storm. In that, uh, without those hormones, we do show the visible signs of aging. And uh, I would be very interested to see if thyroid, low thyroid, has an impact on 
can be positively correlated with uh, with some of these hallmarks of aging, right? Oh, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they must be. You know, you just think about cellular mitochondrial function, and when you are low in thyroid, you have no energy, which must mean you, that your mitochondria are not functioning properly. So that's brilliant. Uh, it is. It is often overlooked by doctors. Um, as we get older, and yet it's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. That's actually brilliant, you know, because only, I think only people who are biohackers think this way, like, well, (laughs) you know what, it must have some, although I don't know of any studies, and now when I get off this call, I'm going to for sure see. Go to PubMed. Yeah. Go look too. Go to PubMed (laughs) and see. Absolutely, because the facts are the, that it's right what you're saying. It's like the slowing down, like that's what happens when you're hypothyroid, right? So I do think that that can affect for sure the hallmarks of aging, whether your thyroid's working well or not. Well, Sandy, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend time today with you and with Zora to go over the hallmarks of aging. I think that as research into aging uh, has progressed, as uh, the boomers have uh, grown in number uh, and have become to age, I think that identifying these biochemical pathways down which we age is very important because there are levers upon which we can press to slow down the aging process and to possibly, in some cases, even reverse aging. Yeah, you know what? Thank you so much, Leslie. I mean, I think this is a very important conversation only because aging shouldn't be a mystery. You shouldn't, you should, okay, I say this all the time, and I definitely want to say this on this episode. In life, there's no guarantees. But if you have some idea of what possibly might be coming down the pipe don't you want to be prepared with your armor absolutely absolutely yes and that means the obvious things like avoiding smoking avoiding unnecessary stress getting good sleep having a clean diet Uh, these are all important because they do have an effect on us on our overall health as a system but also on those uh, those levers of aging yes. as well. And 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 then of course I'm going to say if if you can't if you can't completely avoid some of those things, you're going through menopause. Your sleep is suffering a little bit. You're um, perhaps you're under a lot of stress. Something's going on in your life. Bubble wrap yourself. Yeah. And I that I always say that because there are ways speak with your practitioner i'm going to say speak with a holistic health practitioner versus a general physician only because most of them are trained or a functional medicine doctor too Uh they're trained in in that bubble wrapping and how you can bubble wrap yourself so that you don't actually suffer the effects of aging i would agree with that absolutely we've uh the best, uh, the best offense is defense, and uh, you know we've got to start, got to start early if possible. But 
if you're already in it, there are still things you can do to slow it down and, uh, and protect yourself. And yes, bubble wrapping for women going through menopause is absolutely essential. Yeah. On that note, thank you so much for coming today, Leslie. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Always fun to be here and lovely to hang out with you and yeah. Sora. Thanks. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and helpful. Bye for now.